Konnichiwa, watashi no namai wa Bonnie desu. Watashi wa Amerika kara kimashita. Watashi wa Nihongo o hanashimasu. Anato wa fluent show o kiite imasu. Welcome to The Fluent Show, our podcast all about loving, living and learning languages. Hello, my name is Kirsten Cable from fluentlanguage.co.uk. I write about languages, think about languages, talk about languages and make online courses about learning languages, mindset and strategies and lots of other really useful things. And I also host this podcast where you have found yourself. Welcome, listener. We are here to talk about everything and anything interesting from the world of learning another language. And today's episode, we are actually going to go into a specific aspect because we're in teaching season. So we're going to talk about teaching another language, especially teaching online, which is something that I started doing as a self-employed person 12 years. No, 12 years ago in 2012, so it's not quite 12 years ago, but it's a good while ago and got lots of experience with and hopefully got something to share. If you love languages, you might find that you want to spend your whole life around them. And here on the show, we've covered lots of different career paths. I've spoken to translators who work for the EU. I've spoken to linguists who work in universities. And I've also spoken to the odd person who is teaching languages online. Lindsay does it, my co-host, I do it. And it is a realistic and interesting career choice for you too. You could start a freelance career or even create your very own business it's up to you and in today's episode i'm going to answer the top five questions about being an online teacher plus i've got some bonus tips for you that you can use as well for this episode i asked members of my online community my facebook group called fluent language learners and a group of online teachers who have been taking my courses with me for their own questions so i asked people to submit questions to me and tell me what they've got on their mind i've selected the top five questions that I think is the most useful for you to get started but boy there were about 25 questions so one day we might even come back to these and I want to not keep you waiting too much longer but of course there is one fluent show announcement that has to be made it's very important and that is to thank and give a shout out to the show's sponsor and the show's sponsor this week is Clothesmaster. Clothesmaster, spelled C-L-O-Z-E-M-A-S-T-E-R, is a gamified language learning app where you learn through mass exposure to vocabulary in context. And it provides you with thousands of sentences in over 50 languages. That's a lot of languages. And over 190 language pairings. It is insane. You could learn Welsh from French, French from Welsh, Catalan from Welsh. It's it's crazy. So if you're learning particularly a lesser known language and you are an intermediate learner who wants to practice your skills, Clothesmaster might be the app that you've been looking for. I've recently been using Clothesmaster to boost and kind of refresh and liven up, reactivate my Italian. And I found that they've got lots of cool features in the courses now. There is a fluency fast track 
so I can practice with the most common words, which is very handy for me as a revisiting learner. And with the Close Master concept, I'm always practicing grammar and even now practicing my listening as they might give you a sentence that you don't see, you just hear. And the challenge is still fill in the gap, what goes in the gap. I always enjoy the retro gaming look of the app as well. So if you love practicing with language apps that focus on vocab and keep your skills sharp, visit closemaster.com slash show today and dig into the free app. And it does have a free plan, so you don't have to pay to play, as it were. But if you want to upgrade to the pro plan, it is certainly worth it and it's very affordable. So that is CLO. Ze or ZE if you're American, C L O Z E M A S T E R dot com slash fluent show. And on that page, you'll also find a little intro video where I show you what my Clause Master looks like. Beep beep. <laughs> Still haven't got a jingle. Now, let's get into these questions. As I said, today's episode is focused on online teachers. So if you are a language learner and you've got no interest in becoming a teacher, I, of, I always say this episode might not be quite so relevant to you because I'm not going to tell you strategies for becoming fluent or whatever. But please do consider if you've got a one-to-one tutor and you want to help them along, maybe recommend it to them. And I would be ever so grateful if you do so. Or in fact, why not try and have a listen and see if there is something interesting that you can get out of this and something that you might share with your online teacher or something that helps you understand their situation a little bit more and makes your lessons even better than they already are. I've got five questions. The first one, (laughs) I think I was asked this question by five different people in five different ways and it is an ever ongoing issue because let's start with you as the language learner. Imagine you are looking for a new tutor in a new language. Where are you going to go? chances are that you are either asking around for word of mouth and that is really really good and you're already a step ahead or you're going to go to a big directory so those indie teachers out there who want to make their own way want to set up their own business they might be wondering what is the best way to get the word out so they can get in front of you they can show you their skills and they can book new online teaching customers so for my teachers here are my tips for marketing yourself to new new people and growing your audience online. You want to start with knowing your people. Who are your people? Because the truth of the matter is, you don't actually want to give lessons to everyone. And I've got a story for you that I think illustrates this very, very well, which is when I first started teaching, and this must be within the first year of me teaching in in Lancaster, where I used to live, I had this, I had an approach from a pair or from a couple who wanted to hire me to teach their son, teach him. And I was, you know, I was advertising as um, I can teach you German, I can teach you French. And they wanted me to teach him and also, you know, speak English with him, practice his English. That should have been alarm bell one. I wasn't actually an English teacher. Alarm bell two He was a teenager preparing for an exam to get into grammar school. That should have been alarm bell too, because I wasn't wasn't interested in teaching people preparing them for an exam. And they also, in the first lesson I gave, the, the, the mother sat there and just watched the whole lesson, which some people really love, some people really enjoy. But alarm bell number three, or at least at that point, 
I knew like, I kind of knew it, this wasn't going anywhere, but because I was so new to teaching in general, this wasn't even online. Oh yeah. <laughs> Alarm bell number four, it wasn't online. <laughs> but because I was so new to teaching, I just kind of went with it all. I didn't really pay, I didn't really pay attention to all of these warning signs because I wanted the student because I thought well if I don't have the student then I I don't have a business and if I don't get the student it means that I'm as a teacher not good enough well took the first class I prepared so so hard I looked up things that are completely out of my comfort zone or out of my competence zone it, you know it wasn't what I wanted to do it wasn't what I could do well and I, it kind of wasn't even what they wanted. And a few days later, the mother rang me up and said, yeah, so we're, we've decided that we, we don't want to work with you anymore. And it was disappointing and embarrassing and mortifying. But in hindsight, it taught me this amazing lesson, which is not everyone is my student. Just because I am teaching doesn't mean everybody is going to be the right person for learning with me. So I want you to think about the... The Venn diagram, this is a very kind of, you know, you will see this a lot and it is so, so useful. So think about a Venn diagram of what you can do, what you want to do and what people actually want. And be more specific than, oh, I can teach English. Uh, some people want to teach English and uh, I like teaching English, right? Get more specific. What is it that makes you stand out. I'll come back to that in a minute. So now we've got a kind of idea of the sort of people that you want to work with. And then you can start going, okay, from how do I best get the word out? The question becomes, how do I best get the word out to them? Where are they looking at the moment? What are they looking for at the moment? If they're looking on italki or something like that, then have a look at, okay, you know, who is there? How are they getting there? Where are they getting their recommendations from? Are they on social media? Are they looking for language learning resources? Are they interested in study methods? What kind of things are your people looking for? And then choose places where you think you're going to connect with the right person. So for me as an online teacher, it's never going to be the local networking event at the local golf club, but it might be a polyglot event. It, it's definitely going to be women in language, right? <laughs> the conference that I, I happen to go run um, or a relevant Facebook group or following the right people on Instagram. There's so, so much out there. So Start finding the kind of people that you would dream of teaching, connect with them and ask them what they're interested in. What do they want to hear? That's the next question, really. So you found your person, then ask yourself, what do they want to hear? What do they want to talk about? And I want you to think of this, you know, this is content marketing, really. Content marketing has been, in all of my years, so much more effective for me than advertising and I've advertised in various places and I have worked for example there was a time where I worked as a course um, creation consultant um, sort of curriculum consultant for online courses on Upwork which is a website similar to italki but for people who do businessy type services and I did get clients but they were never my dream clients because I was just not looking for them I was just presenting myself in case they are looking for something a little bit like me. And that's much, much, much harder. So content marketing is the way 
that you put yourself out there so that you're telling them who you are and you're not just finding somebody who's looking for something a little bit like you. You're finding somebody who finds you because of what you're saying and then says, yeah, that's interesting. That is what I want to work with. So if you want to build a following, social media, blog, podcast, if you want to get lots of podcast listeners, absolutely. You have to always, always show your people that you are interesting and that you know your stuff. How are you different from what they've already searched for online? How do you stand out? What are your methods? What are your thoughts? Right? What do you believe in? It's nice to have some kind of Instagram word of the day in Italian account if you want to promote Italian learning in general. But actually, you want to show people that there is a gap between what they can see on the surface and what you offer, what they get when they are working with you. And that means thinking beyond just being, I often say this, be, think beyond being a walking textbook, right? You want to think about why and how you are going to make a difference in someone's life. Just one small example. I knew from day one of starting this work that I am not going to accept being, people being scared of German grammar. If they're going to work with me, it's not that I'm going to force them to learn grammar. I will teach them German grammar in a way that makes them appreciate it. That was always one of my goals as a German teacher. And ultimately, that philosophy made its way into German Uncovered. And I'm very, very proud of all the results that we've had. It's a great result. So as a summary, in answer to the question, how do I market myself? How do I get the word out? I would say, number one, go where your people are. Number two, talk about things that your people care about. And number three, tell us what you really think. You know, be you and communicate why you do what you do. Question number two <laughs> is, how can I know my programs and services are going to sell? And I love this question because it's a mindset one, right? And it is a confidence one. And it's also something that I have gone through so many times, most recently, like, what, three weeks ago <laughs> with my podcasting 101 workshop, I, I wondered, well, is anyone actually going to buy this? Uh, you know, how do I know that, that I can teach this? But what I have learned is that those are voices in your head that rarely deserve attention until you actually have evidence and there's only one way to get the information that you really need which is well is it going to sell and I've got a few guidelines for you so number one if something similar is selling then what you make is has a good chance of selling but the question I have for you is how do you do it better not every customer is the same you don't have to make everything more expensive or whatever but how do you do it better what is your addition here Number two, if you're getting inquiries and people are asking you questions, then what you want to make is going to sell. And number three, if you really want to do it and there is a clear result for your customer, then it doesn't matter if it's going to sell because it's worth a try. And chances are yes, to be honest. So the key here is to think through what you will do when something doesn't sell. And As long as you know in your head that that's not the end of the world, then my question to you is what's going to stop you trying? 
Who's going to tell you that you're not allowed to try? That you are not what worthy of, of getting paid for work? Like mo People are, do deserve getting paid for work. Everybody does in the kind of economy that we live in. So think through what you will do when something doesn't sell. And as long as you go, okay, if this really, really doesn't sell, then I'll know, I will have the information and then think, okay, I will try again or I will stop or I will adjust it or I will ask people why they haven't bought it. You know, as long as you've got that sort of backup plan, it makes you a lot more comfortable in the question of will this sell, won't this sell. I mean, I have had so many crazy ideas that I haven't really hadn't really seen <laughs> in that way on the market. I promise you, like definitely I had never seen a German language retreat the way that I wanted to do a German language retreat. I have never had never seen um, a podcast creation mentorship in the way that I run it right now. It's called Magic Mike, by the way. And yes, places are still available if you hurry. Well, the thing is, these were my visions. These were things I really wanted to do where there is a clear result for the person who comes. So now they exist. It doesn't matter if anybody has done them yet. And I want you to also have that. It's scary, but, you know, I want you to have that confidence, that power to believe in your vision. Having said that, what I wouldn't advise you to do is to spend many, many hundreds of dollars, of pounds, of whatever it is, of your money on creating something before you know your people and before you have gotten a sense of what your people want, right? You have to believe in the idea, but you have to learn how to present it to people in a way that makes sense to them. And again, I'm going to quote the Smiths <laughs> because it's so true. You wanted to say something to them about their life. I know a lady who does angel card readings and messages from the fairies and this has an audience and it sells so if you're telling me your english course isn't going to sell then why why what is you know why or why not think about what is the meaning that people will make of this in their life that is the important question i think that's where a lot of the power lies uh, by the way I really, really, really love working through this with people and I have a one-to-one -one offer. So I'm going to just mention this here. You can book me to poke you for a day <laughs> and you can get mentoring with me so that you know your strategy, particularly if you're working on your first online course, for example, or if you're just getting started and you're not sure about your message as a teacher, then you can book me. It's called a mobile mentoring day and I'll pop it in the show notes, which you can find at fluent.show slash 216. The next question is, what are the steps I need to take for creating my first online course? I've broken this down into four steps for you here. The first one for your first online course, doesn't matter if your course is delivered live week by week or if you are pre-recording videos. The key here is, number one, you want to define the goal. Right? A course, any kind of curriculum, should guide a learner towards an achievement over time. So what do they need? What do they want? What's going to make a difference for them? And you want to be able to say, okay, at the end of this class, you are going to blank, 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 blank. Right? And you want to fill in the blank. That's step one, define the goal. Step two, list your ideas. 
You can first, I would start always with whatever is in your own head, just throw it all out there, you know, put it all out on paper or a mind map or whatever it is that you feel comfortable with, collect and list all of your ideas that you have. Ask maybe potential students what they would like you to include. See if you know, you don't have to take every suggestion because people don't always know your vision that well. But sometimes it's just the best is the best ideas really that other people have. Include ideas for resources, and if it's a course like A one German, then you also need to check against ben benchmarks. So you need to really look at what would an A1 German course include. You can't just give it a name like that and uh, not include what would be expected in order to achieve that goal, right? So define the goal, list the ideas. Tip number three, or step number three, really, edit and organize. Edit and organize. So all those ideas, now you look at them and now you decide which ones are going to make it into the important thing that you teach, which ones are critical for that goal. And then you organize them into a logical order that you think will walk your learner through it at a good pace. And this is the point. If you were going to have a, a beta test or some kind of test learner or something like that, I would recommend that this is the point where you actually bring them on board and show them and try something out with them and see if what you are teaching makes sense. Because this is the point where it's really easy to change course. And then number four, then you want to plan the delivery. So don't worry at, you know, at the defining the goal stage. That's important. At the start, if you're going to go, oh, what camera am I going to use for making my videos? That's, that doesn't make a good result for your learner. <laughs> I don't believe in that. So think about it, of course, but first get your ideas straight and then consider multimedia learning styles. Are people going to learn well through video in this format? Are people going to need your course in an audio format what's what kind of worksheets are you looking for how are they going to need how are they going to know that they have understood what it is that you are trying to give them you know do you want to give homework are you running coaching sessions and all those kinds of questions they are all super important at that stage because that's how your students are going to know that they're successful so one more recap define the goal list your ideas, edit and organize, plan the delivery, and ta-da, you've made an online course, <laughs> which you know is going to sell because you listened to my answer to the other question. <laughs> so that was a lot of advice. And the last question I took in as part of my core question, because I think we're in an interesting situation at the moment where the rise of language coaching, particularly in the online language learning space, is kind of coming along. I've got a really good blog article that I collaborated on, collaborated with on, this is hard, English is hard, that I collaborated on together with Marissa Blasco. So that's multilingual Marissa on Instagram. Some of you might know of her. And she runs the website relearnalanguage.com. So that's well worth checking out. And she wrote an article together with me about online language coaching and what it is, because Marissa and I have worked together in the past. So I will put that in the show notes for you. But the question was, what is the best part about online teaching? What is the best bit? Coaching, teaching, product creation, is it something else? For me personally, 
I think there are there are many different aspects. I love the coaching aspect because I love changing minds and understanding a little bit more what's behind when a learner is trying to achieve a goal. Like what is the bit that's interesting them? What is the bit that's motivating them? Where are they getting stuck? And to untangle that and help people along the way and see them go away with clear steps defined and confidence is is a buzz for me. I love it. I also enjoy teaching any kind, any kind. I love running live workshops. I love running live workshops way more actually than um, than pre-recording videos. There's just something special about having people participating and you know giving feedback and just knowing they are there and I love content creation as you know I love making the fluent show so podcasting is is a big jam for me um but there are other parts of it as well that are not the best part so in a way if you were to say what's the best part about online teaching is it teaching coaching or product creation all of that is teaching. All of that is why we're here for. The more challenging part that you also need to think about is the marketing, is the admin. <laughs> it's the prep. And something that I personally don't always excel at is detail orientation. So I have support to kind of help me with that. But I do think that these are things that we need to think about. And the more that you can bring your superpower, which is teaching, into your marketing, into everything that you do, the more that you can bring the values that you care most about into your online teaching, the easier everything else is going to be. But yeah, ultimately, you know, I'm a language coach and language teacher and podcaster, but I'm not a podcast editor. I'm not a social media manager. Um, I'm not, I'm not a, a secretary. I'm actually trained as a secretary, but you know what I mean? It's it's not where my strengths are and for you it might be the same. So this is really important thinking actually at the start of setting up your business and getting clear not just about your values and who your people are, but also getting clear about your strengths so that you can understand some things that you don't like or that you're just not that good at or you, you can do them, but they take forever at some point in the future, they might be the first things that you want to hand off to somebody else on your team. And this is a good thought exercise for you to do even on day one. It's incredibly helpful to think that through. Now, I've got a lot more questions. So I want to take maybe one or two bonus questions. And this is a really, really brilliant one that I have here. Um, that's a question from Helena. Hola, Helena. Uh, this, she says, this is very related to my current situation. Did you start out as a freelancer or as a company? If you freelanced at the start, was it easy to create your company? How did you deal with any naysayers? <laughs> yes, that is more than one question. Okay. Um, in terms of freelancer or company, I am based in the UK and everything I'm saying now is not legal advice or business advice. Uh, formality advice or anything like that I can only tell you how it works for me and how it works here in the UK for most of you if you're starting up as a one-person business it'll be enough to register as a sole trader I would guess uh, for me it's enough to register as a sole trader which is what Helena is referring to as pretty much a freelancer and that means other people can pay you and you know um, companies can pay you and you're essentially 
a free agent. You're not a company. Uh, you don't have to be a company director. It is just um, fairly tax effective and all that kind of stuff. And it keeps the admin down. So that is still at this point what I do. If COVID hadn't happened and I would have continued to run retreats and more retreats, then I might have at some point started uh, registering as a company. And that is because there is a... If you ever have something really terrible happen and you were to get sued as a limited company, your liability is limited, which means they can't come and take your house and all of your life savings. But if you are a sole trader, then they can because your company and you is the same thing, legally speaking. Wow, this is such fascinating stuff that I'm going to go straight to the next question, which is how do you deal with any naysayers? Helena, um, it depends on what you define as naysayers. Generally, over the years, I have learned, I think, to keep a lot of my crazy ideas a little bit more to myself. Because if you're presenting somebody else with a brand new idea, you will get a re reaction and an opinion from them. And often, for me, the idea generation process is that the idea isn't really ready for opinion at the point where I'm starting because I'm just dreaming about something. I'm just kind of building something in my head. You can, however, and this is really important, you must actually find a supportive environment with other It could be other teachers, it could be other business owners, uh, it could be coaching groups and business support groups. They can be amazing. Other entrepreneurs tend to have the same quality of dreaming up big ideas and visions so they know what it's like to get excited and uh, they are less likely to uh, shoot an idea down to, um, you know, to go into too much of the weeds. So you just kind of have to pick your moments really. Um, at the start, I share my brand new ideas with very few people because I have learned in the past that I don't always stay passionate about them either. Um, and then people might expect me to do the thing that was just a crazy idea. And then I'm looking really stupid. So <laughs> I've had to learn that over time. And I, when I start thinking about making them maybe a reality and kind of looking at them and going, how could this work? How could it How could this, you know, become a reality? What what would it take? Then I might share it with a few people. Um, and that's when I would share it with my husband. And because he is so, so detail oriented. And then he will ask me a lot of questions about how would this work and how would that work um, until I get frustrated and shout, it'll be fine. <laughs> But that's sort of my test of commitment to the idea. Um And in terms of when it comes to presenting it and putting it out there, I try to remember, I try to keep in mind that everything is an experiment at the start. Everything is, everything could flop. Everything could go really well. Just because you are more experienced doesn't mean that necessarily you are going to be bringing in a thousand successes. And everyone who we look at who has long, long, long established businesses, They have had so many bad ideas along the way. It's it's crazy. And they've had flops along the way. And that is absolutely fine. It's absolutely fine. So accept that it's an adventure. 
and pick your people carefully. You might have friends who are naysayers without even noticing us. And I have I've had this and over time I've had to just slowly distance myself in terms of those ideas. So it doesn't mean that you love those people any less, but you just kind of have to, <laughs> you know, if if you are the only person running your business or running the show, then the truth of whether something's possible or not sort of starts with you so if you lose your belief that something's possible then the whole thing starts shaking and wobbling in a very uncomfortable way and that's why it's important to believe in your ideas and be positive and be optimistic at the start now as i said i had so many other questions and there were a few that i promised to answer on the show so i'm going to just run through this oh this is a good one uh how much time should i be motivating my students i feel most of them need some kind of motivation i've heard so many excuses uh motivating them can get them very far but i'm a language teacher not a motivational speaker <laughs> and you know what i think that's i think that's a very fair point to make um i have got some episodes about motivation i've read a lot about motivation so i'm going to put a book in the show notes by sultan denier and emma ushoda which for me was a fantastic read um about language learning motivation um and what we know about it from from a research perspective so I'm definitely going to put that in there. It's a really good psychology book. And what we what we know, what is probably accepted is this, I think, Gardner, um, a scientist called Gardner, model of intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. So if your students, if you don't feel they are motivated, it's it might be that they are motivated, but something about the lesson doesn't make them feel like it's actually going to achieve their goal. It's actually going to, you know, be the thing that that gets them to where they want to go or it might be that they haven't connected with an intrinsic motivation which tends to be the more powerful one so you as a tutor they might be using you as structure as external motivation but it might not be enough so it might be worth having a conversation with them about their whys their goals um their particular requirements etc and then see whether it might be that they feel that their lessons aren't that your lessons with them aren't achieving the goals that they actually have because if they're with you they probably have goals so it's just is there might just be a disconnect between your lesson and the goal so that's where i would start looking just kind of having that open conversation instead of just <laughs> trying to you know trying to give them a, a speech that's that can work i think and it's important but ultimately it's got to come from the inside okay that's kind of my final point i have a few final requests for you podcast listener if you're listening this far and you've enjoyed the show don't forget that you can support us and get extended show notes with a lot of what i've been telling you about on patreon by becoming a patreon supporter and you can do that at any level there's a little tip jar for the fluent show and secondly I am short of intros. I've just run out of listener intros. We had a lovely Bonnie speaking Japanese at the top of today's show. Please, please, please record your intro. You can do so using the website Vokaroo, for example, or you can just send me a voicemail. That's absolutely fine. And use Vokaroo.com and then just send me the link 
and I will download it from there and do the rest for you. You can speak any language you like, just say your name, where you are from, which language you are speaking, and then you're listening to The Fluent Show. So if I did that in German, it would be... Hallo, ich bin die Kerstin, ich wohne in England und ich spreche gerade Deutsch und ihr hört jetzt die Fluent Show. <laughs> so, something a little bit like that. As always, if you've got any questions or if you want to send me feedback or tell me what you thought of this episode, you can email me. It's hello at fluentlanguage.co.uk. You can find me on Instagram. I am Kirsten, K-E-R-S-T-I-N underscore fluent. And you can find the Fluent Show on Twitter at thefluentshow. That's it from me. Got another amazing episode coming up with you next week. And I wish you a wonderful week. Goodbye.